Praise the Lord. All right, how many of you, as you go fishing, and you find yourself out trying to catch the fish, here's what you do. You try to come to this conclusion of exactly which is going to be the best bait to catch them. Matter of fact, you never go with just one single bait because you just don't know. And so what you begin to do is you begin to amass this great abundance of baits. Of every imaginable color, size, configuration, to make sure that when I'm out there, if, there, if I can't get him with this one, surely I can get him with this one, or I can get him with this one. Let me share something with you this morning. Just, just think about this for a moment. Do you realize that $852 million was spent on artificial lures, flies, baits, and dressings just in the past year? What do you mean by dressing, Brother Robert? Oh, let me tell you, it even gets down to this, okay? When you're out there fishing, especially for reds or speckles. Matter of fact, on one occasion, one trip I went, okay, one of the, one of the guides, on the, he said, here, take this bottle of spray and spray all over the lure before you throw it out there. Guaranteed to entice them. And I'm thinking, ooh, buddy, this ought to be something. But I know there's some of you who don't fish and you hunt. Well, you're not out of the woods either. No pun intended, okay? You're not out of the woods either. Let me tell you what. Here's what we do. We make sure we've got all of the latest that you can possibly have from game cameras that are placed on trees in different places so that we can actually see what kind of traffic we're getting. Oh, and on top of this, food plots. You know, we go out there and we plow up and we put in all of these food plots. Or on top of that, we're going to entice them just a little bit because we want to make sure that they come our direction and come down our path. And so guess what we do? We put all this feed out for them. But we know what kind of food they like. And so guess what? We entice them with that food. Now, not as much as fishing, but... Anybody want to guess how much was spent on hunting? Don't need to ask. Let me just give it to you. $20 billion. But now, hold on. That doesn't take it. Now, that takes into account even some of, you know, guns are expensive. But you got to have the right one. Bows. Oh, you got to have the latest, greatest arrow. So you got to make sure that all of that is in place. you got to make sure that all of the enticement that you can possibly offer. We got to tempt them to draw them in. James chapter 1 and verse 13. When temptation comes knocking at our door, what do we do? Take your Bibles and turn with me to James chapter 1. We're going to continue. Last Sunday morning we looked at trials and testing. And now James is going to move in his letter over to the next level. It's called temptation. 
And this portion of James's letter from verse 13 all the way down through verse 17 deals primarily with temptation. Well, the first part of his letter, verse 1 through verse 12, James dealt with trials and testing. Verse 13 through verse 17, James is going to deal with temptation. There is a difference between temptation and trials. Let me share with you real quickly what that difference is. Satan tempts and God tries. It's Satan who tempts, it's God who tries us. He tries us for our growth. Satan tempts us to draw us away, to entice us and to draw us away. How many of y'all in here like to eat? Anybody? How many of y'all really don't care about eating? You can care less if you ever eat. Some of you wouldn't raise your hand if I asked you to, okay? But here's the thing. God knows your heart already, all right? Have you ever, have you ever spoken with any chefs? Okay, and I, I understand there's these, these international chefs, and they, they have all of these ratings. Matter of fact, all the way up to these five levels or whatever. Let me tell you one of the main things that they're taught Keith Rush is sitting right here, so from the Louisiana, Louisiana Culinary Institute, one of the things that they teach you is in presentation on the plate. For what? To entice you to eat it. They've got to make it. It's your eyes. It's, just what it's, it's with your eyes. Is you see that food that you want. Okay, that, it's to entice. Let me tell you what. Satan is the one who entices. Satan is, does not show you the other side of the billboard. Whenever you see some of these billboards, all the glamour on this side, but you're not allowed to see what's on the other side. And so James is going to deal with the subject here. And no individual, I don't care who you are, I don't care how spiritual you think you are, no individual, even the most spiritual believer, can escape being tempted. You say, well, Brother Robert... I don't think I'm tempted that much. Well, guess what? You know Jesus was tempted? Matter of fact, after coming out of the wilderness of 40 days, he comes out of the wilderness and Satan's waiting for him. And the very first thing he begins to tempt him with is from a physical side. Well, look at all these stones. Because of who you are, all you've got to do is command these stones to be turned into bread and you can eat them. What did Jesus say? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And if that's not enough, he takes him up to the very highest of pinnacles or the highest location to be able to see out all around. And he said, oh, by the way, he said, all of this can be yours if you will just bow down to me. Well, I hate to tell you this. Jesus owned all of it anyway. There was no need to. But you see the temptation that comes. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 35. It speaks about Jesus being tempted in all areas just like we are, yet without sin. And let me say this this morning. Temptation itself is not a sin. We're all tempted. We're tempted just riding down the highway sometimes. We see things. Our minds, if we watch TV, we see things. We're tempted with things. We go into Bass Pro Shop. How many of you guys like to just go to Bass Pro Shop and walk up and down? Look at those hands going up. Some of the ladies do too. How many ladies like to go to Bass Pro Shop? You like to take your husbands to Bass Pro Shop. 
Knowing that he's not going to buy anything while he's in there, he's just going to look. Something about that looking, that enticing. Before long, they walk out the store with something. It's not that they don't know how to do that. You know, the other thing about temptation is this. It's also common for an individual to blame someone or something else for being tempted. Even to the point of engaging in the temptation. You say, really, Brother Robert? Yes. Matter of fact, we're given the classic account of it. Genesis chapter number 3. So after Adam and Eve committed the sin, God comes looking for Adam. And he's looking for Adam and he's, he calls out and he said, Adam, where are you? And so when God and Adam have this conversation, what is it that Adam tells God? Well, you know, that woman you gave me, that's the only reason I ate that fruit. What did Eve quickly stand up and say? Well, it's because I was deceived by who? By Satan. You know, we get into this blame game. Well, my dear friend, I hate to tell you, you have nobody to blame but yourself. Because we know Satan's good at enticing. He's good at it. He knows what to do. And that's what his desire is, is to see us pulled away from our relationship with the Lord. So verse 13 of James chapter 1. I know you've been patiently waiting, okay? James chapter 1 and verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil. And he himself does not tempt anyone. That's the difference between trial and testing and temptation. What makes this a little bit more difficult is the Greek word for temptation here or tempted is the Greek word pirosmos. And here's the difficulty. It can mean trial and testing. It can also mean temptation, but it also depends its usage, whether it's a noun or it's a verb. Well, if you look at verse 2 and verse 12 of James chapter number 1, pirosmos is used in its noun form, so therefore we see testing and trial. We come to verse 13, the same Greek word is used again, but now we see it from the verb side of tempted. And so therefore what we have done is the context have given to us the difference between the two. Testing and trial comes from God himself. Temptation comes from none other than Satan himself. So for us, none of us can say when we're tempted that we're being tempted of God. In other words, you can't blame God for your temptation. Well, you know, it, but God knows. Well, if only, only, you know, a lot of people try to pin their temptation on God. Don't blame God for something he didn't do. When we stumble and we submit or we embrace temptation when we're enticed by it, it is none other than our fault that we have done some or done so. You see, God allows the trials to come into our lives. But be careful with this because sometimes those trials, we can find ourselves in temptation, in the middle of temptation during a trial, 
And if we respond in the wrong fashion, we in submit ourselves and surrender ourselves to temptation, thus disobeying God. Do you see that? Even in the middle of trial, even in the middle of that testing, sometimes instead of drawing us to God, sometimes we will find ourselves being drawn away from God. And if we're not careful before long, we continue down that same path and Satan gets us right where he wants us to be. You know, it's a lot easier. When things get difficult for us as a believer to say, you know, what's the use? Why do I struggle at this every single day? Why is it so hard for me to continue down this path? Why is it so difficult for me to do what I need to do? Well, here's the flip side of that. When we don't, it's easy to sit down on the other side and say, It's no use. Matter of fact, here's a good one. <clears throat> Nobody, I'm not going to be missed by anybody. I have no impact when it comes to the body of Christ. Let me tell you something. That is just the lie that Satan wants you to hold. You are important. You're important in the body of Christ. I don't care who you, you're important in the body of Christ as a believer. He's gifted us for what? To serve in the body of Christ. So one of the things we ought to do is seek to do that. So God allows the trials in which temptation can occur to grow believers in greater endurance and maturity, to grow spiritually. How come is it sometimes, though, that when trials and testings come, that we tend to go the other direction. We don't grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Oftentimes it's because of our own hard-headed self and selfishness. Point number two. That was point number one. In no way can God be blamed for your temptation. Number two. Our fallen nature or condition makes us susceptible to Temptation. Look at verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. You know, the present tense of verse 14 speaks to the continuing and repeated reality of the process. It's not just a one time and it's over. It's continual, but each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust is tempted is tempted every one of us in here would probably agree with this that there's not a day goes by that in some way we're not tempted either in thought either in action whatever whatever it may be stick whatever label on it you want to stick on it but there's probably not a day goes by that we're, we're, we're all not tempted in, in some fashion. So when it comes to the weaknesses of our own fallen condition, we can find ourselves often succumbing to this temptation. Now the words carried away and enticed in verse 14 are two interesting phrases. 
because they're associated with hunting and fishing terms. Now, it's interesting that James does that. He associates this with hunting and fishing terms. Notice the carried away in verse 14. That carried away or brought into a place. You know, I need to get him about 25 to 30 yards away from my tree stand so that I can get a broadside clean shot on him and he not be too far away with a bow and arrow. And so guess what? You entice it and you tempt it and you bait it to the point that you can get him. Now, you can't. Okay. You're not supposed to hunt over a baited area. But it doesn't mean you can't entice them and draw them there and then remove all of it. And when they come up looking for it again, boom, there they are. Let me tell you, that's just the way Satan works, you know. And then notice the other part of verse 14, enticed. Oh, boy. You know, a baited trap to lure in an animal. As a matter of fact, we often do this trying to catch hogs, take a trap. And you bait that trap to do what? To lure them into the trap so you, can catch, so you can catch them. Well, what about the fishing side of it? Enticing bait to tempt a fish to bite. In other words, you want the most irresistible bait that you think you can come up with. You know what amazes me? Here's what amazes me. $852 million spent on artificial bait and flies and all of those things to catch these fish. Entice them. Well, let me tell you something. Satan knows what it takes to entice us. He knows what it takes to bait us. He knows what is there. As one writer says, I thought this was interesting, the bait keeps us from seeing the consequences of sin. One of the things you do with your hooks in a lot of your bait, especially if you're using live bait, okay, throw a, just a plain hook out there. Nothing's going to happen. But you put that bait on that hook, you disguise it, and boom. What have you done? The bait keeps us from seeing the consequences. And my dear friend, listen to me. Satan's good at it. You'll get so caught up in the bait that you actually lose sight of the consequences that come as a result of sin. But there are always sin. There are always consequences to sin in our lives. See, Christian living is a matter of the will, not feelings. It's a matter of the will, not feelings. Please listen to me. We act because it's right. No matter how we may feel, we do it because it's the right thing to do. Well, how do we know what the, what, what's the right thing to do? Well, I, I hate to tell you this, but there's only one way that you're going to determine what's the right thing to do, and that's by spending time in the Word of God. And that's where it comes from. How in the world are you going to know what's the right thing to do and what's the wrong thing to do if you don't spend time in the Word of God? Sometimes you've got to seek and ask for the wisdom of God that James has already spoken of earlier in this chapter. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who will give it to you liberally. 
We need that wisdom today. We need godly wisdom today to make choices when temptation comes our way and we're enticed by the things that the world has to offer to be able to stand on the what is the right thing to do. Then notice the change in verse 15. We're going to move from a hunting, fishing scenario to a birthing scenario. Look at verse 15. Then, when lust has conceived, it gives birth to what? To sin. And when sin is accomplished, and what that means there is when the cycle is completed, it brings forth death. How many of y'all remember Barney Five? One of the goals is you don't want to let it get to verse 15. When lust hath conceived it. In other words, and then it gives birth to sin. Hmm. We're just we're walking down the process. And when sin is accomplished, in other words, the cycle is completed. You have conception and you have the birth. When it's finished, it gives forth death. Brother Robert, you talked about Barney Five. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you what, I've I've watched every episode of Andy Griffith, okay, that you can possibly imagine. And I probably ought not to say this. I, I, I bet I've probably watched them 500 times. And you say, don't they get old? No. Matter of fact, let me, let, me, let me confess to you since we're confessing this morning. I could watch Andy Griffith 10 hours a day over and over and over and over again. Let me tell you why. I like Barney. Let me tell you what I like, Barney. How many of y'all remember this phrase from Barney? Nip it in the bud. Nip it in the bud. Nip it in the bud. As believers today, that's what we should be doing is we need to nip it in the bud. So when the temptation comes, we find ourselves in the middle of a trial or testing and the temptation comes, then one of the things that we need to do is nip it in the bud. We need to see it for what it is. Understand there are consequences to that temptation when it comes. It may not look right then, but they will come. You see, there's pleasure in sin for a season. And then the consequences. See, that's the part they never like. They don't want you to see. You don't see the other side of the billboard. Only thing you see is the glamour side. You don't see the consequences on the other side. Consequences like what? Well, the list is, I mean, are you ready for this? How about just destroyed lives? Destroyed homes, destroyed families, destroyed opportunities. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on of consequences that come as a result of our surrendering and submitting ourselves to temptation when it comes our way. 
You see, the battle is fought in our heart and mind. Turn with me to Psalm chapter 119. I want you to look at verse 9. Psalm 119 and verse 9. Psalm 119 and verse number 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? Notice the question. So how can a young man keep his way pure? Look at the next part of verse 9. Notice what it says, by keeping it according to what? Your word. Verse 10, with all my heart, with all my heart I have sought you. With all of my heart I have sought you. Let me, let me share this with you this morning. We need to seek him every day with our whole heart. You know, one of the one of the charges that God brought against Israel was, you're real quick to worship me with your mouth, but your heart is far from me. The end of verse 10, do not let me wander from your commandments. Don't let me get far from your word. Verse 11, your word I have treasured in my heart. Why? So that I might not sin against you. Well, I can't I tell you this, but there's only one way you're going to keep it in your heart. You've got to spend time in it. You've got to commit it to memory. Matter of fact, you need to meditate on it. It's what we refer to as spiritual disciplines in the life of the believer. And one of them is meditating on the Word of God. That should be something that we do. Why? So that when we find ourselves in the middle of that difficult time of temptation... We have the Word of God to rely on. Let me ask you a question. Um, if it was important for Jesus to use the Word during His time of temptation, don't you think it would be important for us? Huh? So in light of these truths... Do not allow yourself to be deceived. Look at verse 16 and verse 17. Specifically, verse 16. Notice what James says. Don't be deceived. In other words, he said, don't don't get sucked into it. Don't get enticed by it. Don't allow yourself to go there. What does that mean? Well, how do you keep from it? Well, let me tell you what. Sometimes that may mean your eyes don't need to see some things. It may mean that you don't need to walk some ways. And there are some places you probably don't need to be a part of. And the list goes on. You make the list. You make the list. You know, one of the things growing up um, as a child, I'll never forget this. We had bread at every meal. Every meal we had bread. But let me tell you what kind. We had big old cat head biscuits. You say, what do you mean cat? Well, if you take your hand and look at the top of your hand, that's just about the way they were shaped. And let me tell you something. They were made every morning for breakfast. They were made 
for, and now we ate a big meal at lunchtime, okay? And then the leftovers were left on the table and they put a sheet on the table and you came back that night and ate what was left over. We used to come in from school. When we come in from school, the first thing we'd head to is the top of the stove because guess what would always be on the top of the stove? Leftover biscuit. Then we'd take that leftover biscuit, take your finger and dob you a big old hole in the top of that biscuit. Then you'd get you some good old-fashioned homemade cane syrup, and you'd pour in that hole. And guess what? That was our dessert. There was no better dessert. But let me tell you what happens when you eat a bunch of biscuits. Now, we worked all the time. So guess what? You worked it off. But there's a problem, it seems like, as the older you get, that stuff grabs hold and it just don't want to let loose anymore like it used to. <laughs> it just don't want to let go. And so now you have to kind of cut back. But let me say this to you. But it's tempting just to continue to consume it. Let me tell you something, that's the way temptation is. There's pleasure in sin for a what? A season. Looks good. Sounds good. Are you ready for this? Sometimes it even feels good. So you turn out the light and you lay down and go to sleep and you get up the next day and you realize what's happened. Point number three. Let's read verse 17. So every good thing given and every perfect gift you don't have to be deceived by this. It's from which direction? From above. Coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Every good and perfect gift cometh from above, from the hand of the Father. Let me ask you a question. How many times do you just stop during the day and thank God for his faithfulness and all he provides for you? Huh? Oh, hold on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. How about thanking him for the testing and the trials that produces real joy in our lives? By doing what? Growing us. Growing us. Hey, you're an image bearer. That's what you are. And God's desire is for you to become an image bearer of himself. You see, we've been predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. God's desire is for us to look like Christ as much as we can in our lives. To what? To reflect his love, to reflect his light to a lost and dying and dark world that's around us. So point number three. So Brother Robert, how do we do all of this? Well, point number three. The next time temptation comes knocking at your door, then here's what you need to do. You need to meditate on the goodness of God in your life. Just meditate on the goodness of God in your life. Turn with me to Psalm chapter 1 and verse number 1. And I'll finish here. Psalm chapter 1. 
How many of y'all have memorized Psalm chapter 1 at some point in your life? Okay. Many have. I'm going to ask them that did to stand up and recite it for us this morning. How many of you say, well, wait a minute, Brother Robert, I've gotten older, so I probably don't quite remember it the way I used to. Psalm chapter 1 and verse number 1. Notice as the psalmist writes, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates 30 minutes a day. Meditates day and night. For what reason? Why? why I'm not going to walk in this. I'm not going to walk in the ways of the world. And what I'm going to do is meditate in the Word of God day and night so that for what reason? So that I can be like this tree. As he goes on in verse number 3. Firmly planted by the streams of water. Which yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does it prospers. For that root to run down. For that root to get the nourishment that it needs. But to get the nourishment that it actually needs in its life. Let me tell you something. The nourishment that we need today as believers is found from the word of God. Now, spending time with him, it becoming a part of our lives. But look at verse number four. But the wicked are not so. They're like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked, here comes the consequence, will So in closing this morning, here's what I want to do. I'm going to take point one, two, and three. I'm going to summarize it all together for you to these steps in the process. And here they are. Number one, it's called temptation. Always comes first. The temptation always comes first. You'll be tempted sometimes just by where you are. Matter of fact, even tempted on the job. Sometimes we are. Tempted in the store. Tempted where we live. Tempted by what we do. Temptation always comes first. Number two, steps in the process. When we find ourselves walking down the wrong road, we entertain it. It's called deception. We're allowing ourselves against what James said should not happen. Do not be deceived, my brethren. But we allow the temptation now to begin to deceive us, and we begin to entertain the temptation. Number three in the process brings us to a point that we're in the final throes of the temptation. We engage in it. In other words, we pursue the lust or the desire, and that's always a selfishness. It's always a self-desire. It's always a self-lust that's there. Oftentimes it means an evil desire. But that desire, that lust is there and we engage in it. And then the final step in the process is this. We find ourselves in disobedience to God, my dear friend, which is sin. But hold on. Don't ever say when you're tempted... 
that you've been tempted by God. Because God does not tempt with evil. Only Satan does. So this morning, where are you? Have you allowed yourself to be enticed by that $842 million worth of expenditure in fishing gear or $20 billion in hunting? Okay. Have we allowed ourselves to be enticed by what the world has to offer and drawn us away from our relationship with the Lord and where we should be? Well, I would encourage you today, if you have, then you need to come back. You need to get back to where you should be. Psalm chapter 1, meditate on the Word of God day and night so that you can be like the tree planted by the water. Amen? Let's bow our heads together as we pray.